you know, give them a proposal for something. Give and, them a proposal. Yeah. Yes. What do the numbers actually say? Not what does your ego say? But at least you have like a target to aim at. Now I know there's, that's not, you know. You're listening to the Roofing Success Podcast, a show created to inspire roofing contractors to achieve optimal success in their roofing businesses. I'm the host, Jim Aline, the co-author of the books, Internet Marketing for Roofing Contractors and The Best Known Roofer. I'm also the co-founder of Roofer Marketers, the leading digital marketing agency for the roofing industry. On each episode, I sit down with industry leaders to talk about their processes, the lessons they've learned, and how to find success in roofing. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Roofing Success Podcast. As always... If you haven't, and I know a lot of you haven't because I see the numbers of people listening and not the numbers of likes and comments and subscriptions. So (laughs) hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, comment button, follow button, wherever you're at. Do that for us. If you want to take the conversation beyond what you're just listening to here, go to roofing. Uh, go to Facebook, type in Roofing Success and join the Facebook, uh, the Roofing Success Facebook group. Today, we're here with Patrick Readyoff with Pond Roofing. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Well, let's chat a little bit about how you got started in uh, in roofing. How'd you come to? How, how'd you get to pond? So, um, I, I uh, well, let's go back a little bit. In college, I had a painting business, so I got a taste of helping homeowners, doing contracting. I liked being outdoors. I liked helping homeowners. So, my first job out of college was selling roofing, siding, windows, and doors. Um, you know, I was an in-home sales rep. Uh, and it just kind of built from there till I was, you know, the guy who wanted to have his own business. Uh, I start, I left the, the company I was working for, started my own business. Um, and, uh, I actually sold that business, started another one doing the same thing. And, and it, that was right after the 2008, 2009 financial debacle and so I would do anything to keep my crews busy. And I came across Pond Roofing. Uh, the the owner at the time was the second generation owner. She had taken over from her father when he got sick and passed away. She had built the business from about $1 million to $3 million, uh, with the help of some great employees that were still around. But she needed help. And Long story short, I said, hey, I've got this little company. I want a bigger company. You got a bigger company and you want no company. Let's help each other. She was talking about how do I retire? How do I play more golf? Um, So it just, I I, I was helping. I I went there to help with one door and I saw some opportunity. And instead of having them refer the door to me, I said, sell it on your paperwork and I'll install it. And that was really the start. Um, and so I bought the company. I went to work for her in 2010, and on a handshake, I I merged my little company with hers. Brought my crews over, uh, brought all my contacts. I ran sales and mark uh, sales and production side. She handled finance, and um, and then you know the understanding was that she would sell the company to me, which I bought it in 2012. So this all past right. fall, this past fall was 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. And, and her, was it her father that started it? Yeah, like, her, what, her father this? started in, so, in 1964. Yeah. So you, so you came into a, uh, what was it like coming into, I guess, the, some of the dynamic that you had to, was, was 
was the was 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 she running it the whole like at that time and the father was already beyond the business past past being part of the business or was yeah so the the so she was in her uh, mid 60s okay she's like 65 and her father when i met her her father had passed back in 2000 Okay. So he, this is a guy, he was a World War II uh, turret gunner in an airplane, right? And uh, came back from the war. He went to work for the Cherry Smash Company, which was this cherry soda. And then when they went out of business, he started a roofing company. Like he went to work for a roofer and then he started his own company in 1964. Wow. And uh, they did a great job taking care of the customers, you know, the homeowners that live around here. Uh, and when he was... Uh, sick and 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 dying he asked his children who wants to do this and she retired from her government job to do to do that you know she was like 55 at the time uh so when i walked in what what it was was she had tried to sell the business once and it didn't work out um she was a little gun shy because of how that worked out she had some great employees that were really just doing the stuff Um, and she, you know, she was good at organizing people. She didn't know a whole lot about roofing, the roofing business, Mm -hmm. but she took good care of the people. So they stayed and it was, it was a good thing, but they were, they were just under 3 million when I met them, which is a, which is a good business. And I saw that they had some decent processes in place. I just felt like, wow, this is a, big ball of potential that I can, I can take this and run with it and build it how I want. Um, you know, just have a leg up on, you know, there's a location, you know, of, of, of almost 50 year old name at the time. (laughs) That's right. Some pieces of the puzzle were already in place, right? Like they're great pieces to have. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and so, when you when when you came in, what were some of the things that you were able to to help with right away? Well, right away, um, like I said, I came to help with a door, right? Well, the door hadn't actually been sold, but they were they had dabbled in windows and doors and siding, um, and they were kind of struggling with getting the full exteriors up and running. It was always a roofing, roofing repair and gutter business. They wanted to be in exteriors. And I had an awesome window and door crew, a great siding crew, another gutter crew, another shingle crew. And so I was able to bring those pieces in, help fix the the website, the marketing. They didn't, they didn't really do any marketing. You know, it was all just, Referral, repeat customer, a little bit yeah. of church church bulletins in the Catholic churches, um, not a whole lot there. And I just started organizing those things and um, you know, changing how the work flowed through the office to make sure that we didn't miss things. Um, just, you know, fine-tuning things. Fine-tuning, yeah. Yeah. And, and so as you got, like... Did like the painting business that you had, was that, was that a lesson in a lot of these things that, that, that you were able to bring over then? Do you think? It it was a huge lesson because it was, the painting business was through a company called AAA Student Painters. And so what they did was they, it was like a franchise. Hey, here's your zip code Mm. or zip codes. And we're going to train you. We're going to teach you how to recruit, hire, and train your buddies to be your painters. We're going to teach you how to go door to door and get leads. We're going to teach you how to estimate 
sales training. Here are the forms. We handle the back end, you know, the office, and we're going to cut you loose in your territory. And I did that every summer during college and I made a ton of money doing it. And I learned a lot of great lessons. And I, I joke now that it, it ruined me because it, it made it really hard to work for somebody else. Uh, but I got a great taste of what it was like to, to do my own thing and um, manage through, you know, processes and by the numbers, you know, here's the formula. If you want to sell this, if you want to do, uh, if you want to make this much money, then you need to sell this many jobs, you know, this much, this many dollars of jobs. And if your average ticket is this, then that's this many jobs. And if you're going to close this at this sales rate, then this is how many leads you're going to need for the summer. And here's how many doors you're going to need to knock on to do that. So let's, you know, we put together a business plan. And anyway, when I started my first company, I thought I just always had this idea in my head. I can run this, you know, roofing, siding and window and door business the same way. Yeah. Um, It took a lot longer than I thought it would to get it there because I wasn't aware of how many resources there were until about five or six years ago when I started finding them and and using them. But um, that's, that was, that was the dream, right? But, but it's such great lessons from that, from that time. Like, and and it's kind of like, I think you said, you said something like paint by the numbers or run the business by the numbers and things like that. Right. So here's one of the things that I find contractors struggling with all the time is that they don't know they don't know the numbers and I'm not saying they don't know their numbers a lot of times they don't but I think a lot of times people don't know the effort that is required to get to the end result and so what I heard from you in there is they were like hey hit this many doors hit this many this is it and this is how you end up right like this is the end goal and sometimes that Someone else telling you that is helpful because then you at least have that framework to start in, right? And in your conversion right. rate may be a little better, a little worse, little, you know, but at least you have like a target to aim at. You got to have a target. And right? yeah, for sure. And it's funny because for, for many years, I've had a pretty good grasp on the numbers. I had a, early on, I had a great CPA that taught me how to look at a PL and a balance sheet. And he, he's been a great mentor and he, he's been awesome about that. And I understood, you know, putting together a sales plan from the, the student painting days and all these things. And I'll talk to people and I'll help them. You know, I got buddies all across the country that are, you know, in these types of businesses and I'll, I might be helping somebody and they're like, man, you really know your numbers. And then I'll turn around the next week and realize as much as I feel like I know my numbers, I like, I was overlooking something completely, yeah. right? Like I didn't, I didn't always have a sales plan for this business, right? Because it was kind of like, well, just, it was just coming at us. So you just get as much as we can and we'll see. Now, um, now I actually plan the year and we've set sales goals with the five estimators I have. Well, it, it, you know, I come to find out I was, I was overlooking some important things. I'm setting these sales goals yeah. uh, based on, okay, what do you think you're going to sell? And then the total of the, what the five salesmen say, say that's what we're going to sell this year. Instead of, well, all right, if we got five guys and our average close rate is this, and our average job size was X from this past year, what's our actual capacity? Like what's realistic? 
you know, and okay, well, if you can raise your closing percentage by this much, that's only that only gets us another five hundred thousand dollars across five guys, right? Yeah. So it's like I, I was I, I was not using the numbers appropriately, right? Like mm-hmm. I wasn't factoring in. Well, wait a second. If I want to sell ten million, we actually need two more salesmen, right? It's or, or if that was the numbers, right? Yeah. You say. What do the numbers actually say? Not what does your ego say? <laughs> yes. And then, and not just what the, like, because when you're asking your reps too, they may be telling you their stretch goal. Right. Right. They're like, right. you know, man, I really want to hit this this year. Like I'm, man, I really, boy, boy, Patrick, I, I, I think I'm going to be able to get to, right. And so you factor yeah. that into your, like what Plan. you, what your, t- what your, but that's their stretch goal sometimes and not their real, like, so you're, yeah. you're, you know, if they don't hit it, you don't hit it kind of thing. And and right. you're not putting, you're not putting the company in a position to, 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 to get there without a doubt, I guess is maybe a good way to put it. Like we have to make sure the company gets there. If the reps get to their numbers or not kind of thing, like you have to make sure yeah. And that's where I think that that not understanding the effort, right? Like right. even even in that, like that you're talking about understanding the numbers, which is so important. But sometimes, you know, these five reps or estimators say, "Hey, uh, we want to get a million each," right? Well, yeah, cool, right. we're going to hit that five million. But that's not knowing the real numbers, and it's not being able to pull the levers properly, because going back to marketing. Well, it, what if they, what if their appointments are slow? What KPIs are you measuring to know if they're on track to hit their million? Right. There, there's a lot of things that, and levers that you can pull and twist and turn as you're looking through those lens of the numbers. What are some of the levers that you've found? Like you had said, like close rate, right? Like if you tweak yeah. the close rate this much, we get this, but what are some of the other levers that you've found that that have been like aha moments for you? Sure. Um, a big aha moment was a few years ago when we sat down and we looked at uh, demo rates. And I, and I should I should clarify first, we are not a one call close yep. organization. So we're not, because that's not how we're set up to sell, we're not tracking that as, as hard. We look at that more of like a six month rolling number, like close rates and things like that, because- you know, if my guys run appointments last week, it might take two, three weeks to close yeah. those. Um, and we do, and at a at very good margins. But um, so we look we we look at the numbers just a little bit differently, right? Um, so if we're looking at six month rolling, and we were looking at demo rates, and this is probably four five years ago for the first time looking at a demo rate, yeah. and we noticed that the this one guy. Um, who had the highest closing rate also had the highest demo rate and uh, his NSLI, right? Net sales per lead issued yeah. was the highest. And part of what was driving that up so high was the fact that he gave estimates to more of the people that he saw than anybody else by like 5%, right? So he was at 95% and the next highest guy was at 89 so, you know, like 89 and change, yeah. so it was a little yeah. over five. And we're like, guys, if, if you show up at the house and 
it's, you know, we can't help them with the window uh, because they just need a pane of glass replaced. Give them an estimate for a new door or a new roof or some siding or something. You know, give them a proposal for something. Give and, them a proposal. Yeah. yeah. So that was a huge aha moment. Like, gosh, why was I not thinking about, why was I not looking at that number? Um, and, and, you know, let me say this too, Jim. When I listen to podcasts like yours and other ones, and I'm sure there are guys listening right now, they're like, there are guys who are going, holy crap, I didn't think about that either. And, and then they immediately feel like, oh man, I'm so far behind. It's, we're not. We're always learning these things. It's never too late to, to go out after you're done listening to this and go, well, I guess I better look at that number and see how I can fix that. Or if you hear some great marketing idea, like, well, we can start that next week if we want to. But it, I, I've tortured myself for years going, oh my gosh, I'm so far behind. It's like, no, I got a good business. It's doing fine. Just keep implementing things and it'll, it'll work out. So it, it's um, a weird thing it, it, that where, where the, the way that we, it, it's the comparison a lot of times, right? You'll, you'll look at other companies in your market or, or people you meet in a mastermind group or, or people you meet at a conference or something like that in companies wow, right. that's crazy. Like, what, how did they get there? Or then you see the one in your area that just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, what did they do? How did, like, what is going yeah. on here? Yeah. But Don't worry is, about it. Play your own game. You got to play, you got to. But but what you said is you, you're just continuing to make small improvements in your own business. Right. Those, it adds up over time. If you think about, I mean, pond roofing started in the mid 1960s, right? Like, right. If, if there's no way that 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 the gentleman who started pond roofing could look at it now and imagine anything that was even a, like a part. Oh of it. yeah, like, like it, sure. it would be unimaginable. Yeah, there's things we're doing today that I didn't couldn't imagine ten years ago. That's right. You know, you, I'm like, wow. you mentioned something like it was only like five, 10 years ago or something that you started like, wow, there's all this information out there. And, and you started yeah. kind of like, oh, man, there's a lot of stuff. So how how has that journey been for you? Well, it's I mean, it's it changed my life for sure. Right. Uh, it, it started with um, a guy named Brian Kaskavalsian, who certainty was sending him around and doing these little, you know, wealthy contractor workshops. And, and I went to it's one of those. Up, and I was, yeah. yeah. I went to one of those and I took some things away from that. And uh, like right away, it made me more money and caused me less stress. And I was like, okay. And then I went to, he has a, uh, uh, a conference every year. I yep. went to that and I started meeting other guys and engaging other coaches. I met a, a, a mindset coach through him uh, that helped me think about things in a different way um, and get really helped me get out of my own way because I've got a great staff. I've got great customers. We've got a lot of great things going on. And sometimes as owners of these businesses, we think I've got to be involved in all these things to make it right. And it's like, man, just get out of the way and cut some people loose. Like if you set the right culture and the right parameters, they're going to run with it because they want to, yeah. they want to do stuff too. So that's, that's been helpful. And that, but that's been the journey is looking for the things that I think will, you know, impact us and do those first. Yeah. Um, you know, and for me, everything has to kind of go through the test of like, 
will it make things better for my customers and my teammates and then our community? And if, if it will, then let's see how we work it in. I had a, like, it, you're speaking of like getting out of your own way. I'm a, like, there's a book by Robert Kiyosaki called the Cash Flow quadrant. I've mentioned it a few times on this podcast. It's, I love the concept of it. It's a quadrant, right? Employee, self-employed, business owner, investor. Those are the four quadrants. And you kind of move through those in, in kind of through your, yep. your, your life, right? You start yep. off maybe as an employee, you learn some skills and then you're like, oh, maybe I'll go do this on my own. And you start, maybe start a, a company, but in that you're self-employed. And I think the hardest thing the hardest jump to make, I don't think it's from employee to self-employed. A lot of people are scared to make that leap, but I don't think that's the biggest leap. I think the biggest leap is from being self-employed to a business owner. Yeah, for there's sure. A, there's a there's a challenge there because you, first of all, you have a lot of uh, a lot of investment in the business, mentally yeah. and emotionally, and. And and when you're starting off, a lot of times you don't have the, the the capital to hire those people that you can just set free and they'll yeah. they'll go run with it, right? They're the people of now, not the people of tomorrow that you'll need tomorrow in your business. Yeah. There's a lot of things that factor into it. And so you you're like, man, I have to keep doing this myself. I have to keep doing this myself. I have to keep doing this myself. The the people that I've hired, it can't do it themselves. And how did how was that journey for you? It, it sounded a lot like what you just said, Jim, right? It was, uh, and look, any, any thought that you repeat to yourself over and over is going to become the script, mm. right? So we keep, you know, like if I'm telling myself that because those are the employees I have, then my brain tells me that, that that's it forever. And so at some point you have to say, no, 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 no. That was then. This, this is the new way. Yeah. I. I'm a confident business leader. I know how to get these people to do what I want. I sat down one day with, you know, with Breakthrough Academy uh, coach and we were trying to put together, like, let's document our, our, our mission and values. And I had started that, that, uh, you know, exercise multiple times at the company and just never got it around. But I, but when I finally did it and with some of my staff, we figured out that, our mission is to make things better for our customers, our teammates, and our community. And we figured out like what was what's the special sauce that Pond has that's that has people coming back to us over and over and giving us great referrals and all these great reviews. And it wasn't putting together this thing of like aspirations, like, well, we want to be these guys. It's this is what we are now. How do we bottle yeah. that up? How do we make sure that anybody we hire going forward thinks the same way? Um, and uh, and when I when I saw that coming, those types of things coming together, it made me more confident in cutting people loose with stuff. And you know, and then just the just the mind work of telling myself, this is how it has to be. You have to, you have to think different. You have to be a different guy than you were five years ago or ten years ago. You, you can't just run around being contractor the rest of your life as much as fun as that is to be the guy that jumps in the truck and runs out and saves the day and then goes over here and sells this. You can't be that guy the rest of your life. You can't play contractor. You have to be a businessman. Yeah. And, and it like, there are people that, that it's that I still, I think it's okay to do that, but yes. understand what you're doing. Yeah. Like, do, like understand that, hey, this is what I want to do. 
I, I want to be my salesperson, my production manager, and or you know have some some self awareness and say, look, I love selling. I love talking to people. I love being out. I could go sell two, three million myself with if, and and hire a, a team on the production side to manage that. And you're still self employed to a, to a, you know in that regard, but that's what you love doing. Or on the other side of it, be self aware that you're not the salesman. Right. That there are people that will outsell you all day long. But boy, you love being in the trenches. You love being part of the, you know, part of the part of the build, part of the, you know, and you could stick to there. But then but then there's an understanding that if you're trying to create a business, if you're trying to create something that is an asset to you and your family that that you could sell down the road, which you know, it was challenging for Pond to sell. It sounds like right at first or the first time that like you have to have a business that it has to be able to operate without you. Absolutely. Well, and and you, you said something crucial there. It's like, if you want to do this, that's right. Right. You can be, if, if you're happy being the contractor, like I, I sell it, I order it, I schedule it. You know, I'll, I'm going to do a million to a million and a half a year and I'm going to yep. run around some days and other days I'm just going to go fishing and I'm going to make a good little chunk of change. Nope. No problem. Like I enjoyed being that guy. Some days I miss being that guy. Yeah. But if but it's if you want to have something that's going to grow and help create opportunities for other people and build wealth for yourself and have something to sell or pass on or whatever, if you want to do that, then you have to you have to think and act different. That's right. And, that's and, and I think that's, that's where the, that's where the, the, the fr- friction happens yep. a lot of times, right? It's yeah. I want, or, or, you know, people will express, I want this, but they won't do the activities that are involved in wanting that. And, no. and so they get stuck in, in that. We call that the knowing doing gap in yeah. the mindset I do with Sean Foyer. They, you know, it's the knowing doing gap is I know this is what I should be doing, but there's some script running in my head that tells me, no, that's not going to work or that's not you or that. No, 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 that's not for you. You don't, or you don't deserve that or whatever it is. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's that friction that stops us from taking the actions that we need. And we gotta, we gotta figure that out and choose the right thoughts and activities. Uh, I was talking to a guy that I coached this morning uh, who reached out and was struggling last week was like, I don't know if I even want this anymore. Like to that point of struggle. Oh man. And, and got into it and had conversations and it was like, Oh, well, you're not really selling. You're just waiting for sales to come to you. Uh, Obviously there's a gap there that need like, but now let's be realistic on who you are, right? Like right. let's become <laughs> self-aware of who you are. And if that's not you, boy, you need to fill that seat really quickly because, sure. you know, you're making it, you're doing all right. But it, it, if you don't have that in you, that you want to do that on, you know, you're building a business here. There's, you got to put the pieces together. Um, you know, um, how was the, I want to go back a little bit to where you, yeah. where you said you, you, you kind of put this together with your team. I think that's another, uh, another thing that to, for people to hear is that when you're doing these activities and, and if, if you are doing it from, 
kind of an authoritarian perspective and and you are putting this together you're putting the the mission the the values the core value all this you're inserting that on your team yeah if you're starting from just you and you develop that and you and and you and you grow your business with that that that's one thing but if you if you already have a business running or at least you know people yeah. on your team and things like that and now you come in and you say these are our core values yeah i don't think it works as well it well so it, it, it does and it doesn't right yeah. if you if you just throw it at them like that you're you're right you have to make them feel like they came along for the journey f- for sure um and um Here's the here's the biggest reason why it doesn't work like that very well, Jim, is because as business owners, we're kind of we we're chickens. We think to ourselves, if I start laying all this new stuff on people, they're going to be like, "What the hell?" And so we we put it off, and then it slowly drips in. And I finally, I, I think after going to a few conferences and realizing, like, no, you, I can I can really just flip the switch and become a different person tomorrow and start. Like, I have to be careful mm-hmm. how strong I come on, but I can just start dripping these ideas on people. I can start talking about things in a different way. I can start telling people about my plans. Like I always had these idea that I could create bigger opportunities for people that come to work for me, but I didn't know what those were. So I wouldn't talk about it. Now I just Mm -hmm. talk about it because whatever I talk about and put energy into, it's going to happen. I found that out. Right. So, yeah. So when it comes to like, you know, the, the, mission and values, I involved, you know, the whole staff at our staff meetings and we just talked about it. But, and that was, that was huge for me to see how people got it involved and engaged in that. But this, it was only this fall. I mean, we, we did 9 million last year. We've done 9 million a couple years. Um, and we, we make, you know, good money on what we do. And so you'd think that a company that size, I mean, I hear guys on your yeah. podcast and other podcasts, they're, they're, they're $2 million and they talk about their leadership team. And yeah. it was back to what we were talking about before. I was like, man, I feel bad about myself because <laughs> I don't have a leadership team. And I kept, and, and it was like, you know, I kept thinking, well, I was like, why not? Well, because my thoughts were in the way, what I was thinking in the back of my mind was, you don't have, maybe you don't have the right people for that. Maybe you're not a good enough leader to pull that off. And I just ripped the bandaid off and I went to my installation director and my brand new marketing director, who's, she's 28 years old and she doesn't know marketing, but I, but, but she knows some other things that I brought her specifically for. And then one of my estimators, who's always sitting in my office, wanting to talk about bigger and better things. And I took those three people and I said, we are now the four man leadership team for this company. And we're going to do a year end review and we're going to plan next year. You guys are going to be a part of it. This is how it's going to go. And I said, can you be a part of that? They thought it would be a great idea. And now I have a leadership team and now we have a level 10 meeting every Wednesday. And it's like, (laughs) just like that, it starts happening uh, because I got out of the way and said, Nope, we're just going to do this. Um, So that's that's a good way to put it. Like it doesn't, so that the action of starting the process doesn't have to involve, you don't have to do it in a democratic way. You, right. you could say, this is what we're doing now. Um, and, and this is where we're going. But I, I think the buy-in on like the, the values and the, and, and that the, the yearly planning and quarterly planning and getting everyone 
pointing in the same direction and understanding, boy, that's powerful, man. Like, well, and the buy-in requires, this is where as a business owner, you have to put on your sales hat. Yeah. You know what I mean? You do have to be able to craft a message. And if you don't feel like you're that guy, ask somebody for some help on how to word it, just like you word a sales pitch. Because you do have to be able to go to them and say, listen, here's why we're going to do this. Here's why I want to document this. Because you know, we've hired people that you didn't get along with. And it took us too long to figure out how bad they were. And we don't want that to happen again. So we want to document what what are the values that the people are here? What are they? And we actually have a thing called the Pond Patriot Score. And it's a survey that we use uh, where we have team members survey each other, mm. right? And, and, it, and, and it's, it's 10 questions that are all based on our mission and values that are things like, you know, my teammate takes responsibility for their actions, right? And we rate them on that. And you have to maintain your Pond Patriot score so that we can root out the, you know, the bad people. But when I, when I explain that, like, this is to help you, right? So that you have good teammates around you. They go, oh, that makes sense. And I say, we're going to have more teammates because I want to grow this business. Why do I want to grow, grow this business? So that I can create opportunity for you to have more of the things in your life that you want to have. And they go, oh, that makes sense. Well, in order to make it bigger and more, have more experiences or uh, more opportunities, we, we have to organize it better. So that's why we're documenting SOPs. And that's why you're going to make a million uh, Loom videos this month. And all. <laughs> and the, But you have to be able to communicate the whys. Yeah you know, the what's in it for me, for them. Uh, and, and, and you, and you have to, you have to speak about it in a way that they, they get excited too, because they see that you're excited, you know? Yeah. It it is a, what's in it for them. Right. And and it is a sales pitch to, to the team. You're, you're selling the team really you're, you're selling people all the time. Like you're selling people when you're hiring them on the opportunity of working for you, while they're working for you, you're selling them. I, I like to talk about marketing in four different ways. Marketing, not sales, but marketing and sales kind of you know go hand in hand. But marketing, you're marketing to future prospects, right? You're marketing to yep. your current pipeline of uh, your past customers. Your mark, but then the two that people don't think about it, and and kind of reminds me of this is you're marketing to your current team why yep. they should continue to be an employee of your company sure. and, and you're marketing to future employees. So hundred percent. And, and so it's that sell and, and then marketing and sales goes hand in hand. So now you got to sell them the dream of what's in it for them. That's, That's awesome. Right. Yeah. And I mean, look, this is how I see it. People don't go to work for a company to make the owner of that company rich. No. Right. And but you do end up with employees who sit there and they go, ah, I'm just sitting around here making this guy rich. If somebody's sitting in one of my, in, you know, in my office or working for me in one of my trucks and that's what they think, then I've failed yeah. to communicate to them that, hey, I'm here to help you get more of what you want out of this life. And so it's either I've failed or they just have a terrible attitude and they can go some work somewhere else if that's how they feel about it. What I see is that I'm here to help them get more of what they want. If I can make people rich, great, right? Am I going to get rich? Hopefully, but I don't expect them to just like come there to work for me, to make me rich. I want them to show up ready to 
get more of what they want, put in the work, have their, you know, what's your dream? Let's work hard and let's, let's get there, you know? Because yeah. I know that if I can, if I can get people what they want, I'll get what I want. You will. One way or another. Every you know? time, right? It, it, it's the, it's a law of the universe. That, <laughs> right? Right. Right. You're right. going to, you, it will happen. Um, it, it, so now that you got the team bought in, right? Yeah. That you're doing your quarterly plans, you're doing your annually pl- annual plannings. What, what, what things are, are, have changed in your business since doing that? How, how is the, the execution of, of the services you provide? Has it been, yeah. you know, like what things are going on in your company since you put these things into action? The biggest thing is when we get to the end of a year, and and everybody's standing around. And we're going. Look, here's here's all the things we did. We did this many dollars in revenue. <clears throat> we maintained our gross profit percentage where it needed to be. We had we did this many jobs. We got this many new reviews. We you know for the longest time, Jim, we were at four point nine on Google with you know a couple hundred reviews, and now we've got like close to four hundred reviews. And it finally just last week it says five Now I know there's. That's not, you know, I, I kind of liked having the 4.9. I felt that was a little more credible, but what an awesome win for my team yeah. that like we have 400 reviews and we're at a 5.0. So when we're standing around and we're looking at these things, the last, I don't know how many years is like every year we just get a little better at execution. Mm-hmm. We get to the end of the year and it's like, wow, we did all that. It didn't feel that busy. It didn't feel that st- stressful like because there was a time where if we did seven million it felt like the world was falling apart like we were by the seat of our pants that's what i used to say like i I, we're very successful but we're flying by the seat of our pants and now it doesn't feel that way we do nine million like that was easy you know that so now we need to do 10 12 and 15 and and um so that's i think that's where we feel it the most um, happy customers, yeah. very generous language when they talk about our services. It's not just, oh, here, yeah, they were good. It's a five-star review. It's, you know, very, very, um, very positive, you know, talk about specific team members and mm-hmm. their contribution to their, their overall experience. And that's what I want for the customers. Not just like, oh, it was good enough. It was, yeah. oh, they came and they promised me this and it happened that way. That's what I want to hear. You know, yeah. then I know we're winning. That reminds me of a Jim Rohn quote. It's don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. Mm-hmm. And you guys got better. So yeah. in in getting better, it, it made it easier. It's right. like, you know, don't hope for it to become easier for you. Make yourself better so that it is easier. And yeah. That's, and, yeah. and, what, and what that looks like, you know, so somebody's sitting there going, that's great, guys, but what the hell are you talking about? Here's what it looks like. To me, the biggest thing is your workflow. Like you mm. sold the like, okay, you go out and you do the estimate. Now, how easy is it for the person to buy from you? And then what's the handoff look like in the office? And then what are the steps that are going to happen? What, what communications are they going to get from the time they sign their contract to the, till they get their invoice? You know, yeah. what is, what does that whole thing look like? Is it consistent or does every customer get the same message at the same interval? What, how do you prepare them for the day of installation? Um, uh, 
you know, what, what, what can you do to make that experience better for them and then document it and build in as many implement or um, automations as you can into your CRM. You know, so we use Improve It 360. When the job goes to my production coordinator who handles roofs, when she checks off that she is starting the project, and the email automatically goes out to the customer that says, hey, Mrs. Jones, I'm Natalie. I'm the production coordinator. The job landed in my lap. Here's yeah. Now I've, I've done these things, these pre-production activities uh, to get your job ready. And it includes these things. And it's like a list of five things. And when your job was, uh, when you signed your contract, we were on this much of a lead time. We're still on track for that. You won't hear from me again for two weeks. And then I'll call you to talk about dates. In the meantime, if you need me, just know you're on my radar, whatever. So that, that's the basic yep. message. Yep. It's so simple. You add that in and customers go, oh, good. They, I, they're doing work with my deposit. They've got my deposit. They're doing something. I'm on somebody's radar. I haven't been lost. And then Natalie calls them in two weeks. And so that's, you know, getting better at that is. Yeah. is the customer is, journey. Customer I've journey. I've been, doing, I've been doing presentations at all the shows this year at RoofCon, nice. Roofing Process, and IRE, and Win the Storm. And I did this a presentation on all of them on the perfect customer journey in roofing. But really, it's, it's a training on how to create the perfect customer journey. It's a process called customer journey mapping. But nice. it's exactly what you're talking about. You look at how people become aware of you, and you optimize that. And make yeah. that experience and that communication in that area, dial that in. That's then right. in the, as people are considering your services, like you said, your your team is not a one-call close. So, you know, in between that inspection and, and giving the estimate to the homeowner, they're considering you. So what what can what value can you add in that communication to to allow that to be be a better experience for that homeowner. And yeah. then once they make their purchase decision, what happens then? And what and what kind of and and really where it comes down to is what communication are you having with that customer at that time? That's right. I, I always think that if if a customer is wondering, you're losing. Yes. So if they have to wonder what, that. what's next? Yeah. Uh, what when are they going to call me back for this? When am I going to get my estimate? When am I, anytime they're wondering, you've lost. The trust yeah. level in your company goes down and down and down. And you sometimes can't re recover from that. Even no. if you do a great job on the build, like on, you know, you build, like if everything goes well, and but early in the process, they already lost faith yes. in your, in your ability to, and, and that, that lost faith is, is is lack of communication. Yeah, you have to over communicate. Over you have communicate. To over communicate yep. it. You know, look, everybody's got their sales pitch. You know, you have to be able to present something. A lot of people spend a lot of time talking about all the all the awards they've won. Let me show you a bunch of reviews. That's all important, but the way we get our leads, the people already know all that about us. Yeah. Right. And so what my guys spend their time doing is communicating about our process, because in the end, customers don't really know what they're supposed to care about sometimes. 
you know, how do I pick a contractor? They don't know <laughs> what they should care about, what questions they should ask. Our goal is really to make sure that they get more of what they want, right? And what they want is a peaceful experience, whether it's from us or from somebody else. Yeah. I hope it's us, but if at the very least I can make sure that you don't get screwed by somebody else by educating you, great. And here's what you should ask about. What is your process? How does it work? You know, because so many contractors are like, you know, they've got some poor woman sitting in the office who's doing everything. She's scheduling leads. She's taking warranty calls. She's ordering materials. She's sending stuff to crews. She is the whole thing. And that doesn't always work that well for the customer. Things get lost. And so what is the process? Um, and and so we spend a lot of time talking about that. To so over, what, over communicate what? What do you believe a great customer, a great process looks like? Well, I, I think ours looks great. So let's say, let's take it just say from um, the sale is created, right? Through to when the, the crew um, is gone and, and we're getting ready yep. to invoice. For, to, to me, it, it looks like this. Number one, um, some sort of specialization, right? Uh, and I know smaller contractors, it's a little bit harder to do, but you can't have the one lady that just does everything. Mm. That's too hard. So at my office, we have sales coordinators that help everything on the front end with, this, with the estimators. We have our bookkeeper that handles the money. Um, and then it goes to a, pro, a production coordinator. If it's a roof or gutters or a repair, that's one person. If it's siding windows or doors, it's a different person. Um, they, we have, uh, a way to electronically, right. Manage the project through steps to make sure nothing gets lost. There's communication, you know, at each of those steps, or at least the larger milestones, um, to keep people informed as many times as you can. Hey, I got your job. It's on my desk. Hey, I got your final measurements for your windows. Hey, we've ordered your windows. Maybe a few weeks later, hey, I checked. Your windows are still on schedule. You won't hear from me for another few weeks. Whatever it is, over-communicate it, um, uh, under-promise, and then over-deliver. You know, that's an old one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but whatever it is that you say is going to happen, make sure that that happens. There are things that we know are going to happen that we used to not communicate. Like there are things that are going to happen so easily. We don't have to worry about if it's going to happen. Well, let's just tell the customer, this is something we're doing and it's going to happen. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's one more place where we came through with what we said we were going to do. Um, we have a script that we you know, say when we schedule a roof job, say like for day of the day of installation, Hey, remember these things, but then we send it to them in writing two times. We explain to them, there's a guy on the roof, he's your crew leader. And then there's a roaming supervisor. If you need something, call me at the office and I'll make sure one of those two guys gets with you rather than having a customer wandering around outside trying to find the right guy. Yeah. Right. So we have things, you know, that's for us for roofing. That's very important. That roaming supervisor, um, he's going to see the customer. He's got his checklist. He's going to talk to them about all kinds of things. But he is going to go back once all crews, like all crew members, all equipment, everything is gone from the job site, usually the next day. And he's going to do one last cleanup check. 
and take away any leftover material, whatever. We make sure the customer understand that, that that's going to happen. And please don't nitpick our cleanup until he's nitpicked the cleanup. So then they're not stressed. They go outside yep. after the crew leaves and they're like, oh, I got nails over here. And they're all stressed about it. They go, oh, that guy, Chris, is coming back to check for this. Yeah. And, and so it's those types of things that help us, you know, give the customer a nice journey. And then we make a, a, a final phone call before we send an invoice. We always want to know, did we earn a five-star review from you? And if the answer is no, then the next thing we say is, then the job's not done. We're coming to, to figure that out. Um, we don't give invoices to people who aren't happy. That's interesting. But yeah. what, what I like, uh, what, I, what I, first through the, 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 the process there <clears throat> that sure. you described, things that I want to highlight is that, and, and it, first of all, that we get a lot of times, we don't think about the, the things that happen through that process. Right. It's just because it's like when you drive home and, and you get home and you're like, Whoa, I didn't even really like, yep. I don't, how did I get here? Kind of thing. Right. We, yep. We're on autopilot so much in our businesses that we're just going through the day and we're on to the next thing and we're putting out this fire and getting this phone call. And it's just a, it just happens. It's just part of our day. Right. But if you think about it from the customer's perspective, that's the key. That's what the communication needs to be. It's what are they thinking at yeah. that time? Well, they're thinking this. I just signed up for a $30,000 roof replacement and I gave a 30% deposit. I gave them $9,000 and they said that they're three weeks out. And they feel good about it because they saw our reviews and their neighbor used us and it's all good. Yep. For about three days. And then they're like, oh my God, I want, what are they doing with my deposit? What is yeah. going on? Right. And so, right about then is when they get a communication from Natalie, the one I was speaking of earlier, that says, hey, you're on my desk now. Like, I've got you. And, and we tell them, here are the things that I've done on your job so far. And it's, I've created a material order list. I've done, you know, I've moved your project here to here. Yeah. You know, we, we create a, a work order that goes to the job that include, uh, goes to the crew and out to the job site that include the drawing of the house and all the little special instructions. It's got a list of all the materials. It has everything so we can double check colors and it, it's, it's got everything. Right. And so, you know, explains we've created this document and, and it's all the stuff that the, estimator told the customer about too. But now they're seeing in writing that Natalie is at the office doing this work. It's stuff we're doing anyway. And I just thought one day, we should tell the customer, we've done this stuff on their behalf. Yeah, You gave us your money, you signed your contract, you gave us your money. We've done this stuff on your behalf and we're all set for now. And yeah. they love it. They write back to her and they're like, thanks so much, Natalie. It's, it's great to know you have a process that you haven't forgotten me. That's you know? right. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so simple, but it's such a simple thing, It is, but, it, but it's so impactful Yes, to that customer. Like it is unbelievably impactful. Um, yeah. and you're, I mean, well, you're, you're not in a, not, you're in a competitive market. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, no doubt. Right. Like you are in one of the, you know, one of the most competitive markets in the in the nation. Um and and that's that that's how you stand out. That's how you that's how you grow. That's how you continue to succeed in those in that. For sure. But I know other companies that have done things like this and they go to they they're in smaller markets and then the gap just becomes so wide between them and the next contractor in that market that it's yeah. unbelievable. Oh, you yeah. can create a gap in your market where there are thousands of contractors, right? Yeah. By doing these little things, if you like you can you can make yourself so different just yeah. with a little bit of communication. Yeah. And so that's what that's part of what we work on yeah. every day. It's like finding those little things that we can change. And and really right now we've got a huge press to document all of our existing SOPs and hmm. we're, you know, we're making uh, loom videos every day and, you know, written, uh, you know, so that we can go, okay, here's what it is right now. And then anytime we make a change, just go in and change the document. Yeah. Uh, so that when we hire the next production coordinator, we can get them up and running and, and it's consistent. This is how we do it. This is the pawn process. Do it like this. So, and one thing I heard there though, you can change things, you can edit things. SOPs are living documents, right? They're not final forever. This is never going oh. to change, right? Like, yeah. that's what I think a lot of I think there's a lot of pressure when you're building out these SOPs and things like that to get them so perfect that yeah. you'll you'll never have to change it. It can change. <laughs> no, yeah, and I, I had to listen. You were asking about the journey. Part of the journey was a few years ago ad adopting the mantra: "Just lean into it, and done is better than perfect." Mm -hmm. Right? Because if you sit there and you're like, "Well, I have to have a perfect, perfect process first before I document it," you'll never. It'll never happen, right? And and it was really helpful to be able to pass some of these things off to the production coordinators and say, "Hey, look, you're going to write these." Right, you write them, and and I'll review them with the production with the installation director, and we'll make sure that we've, we're communicating it the way we want. But you guys draft them because you're living it every day. But then we, yeah, once it's once it's built, at least there's something that you can go back to and and make the little tweaks in writing yeah. as you change stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, what do you think the greatest insight is that you can share with our audience that's that's helped you find success with Pond? Oh man, the greatest insight. I mean, look at, at as an owner, um, getting myself to a point where um, some of the things I was just saying, right? Like just just start implementing things, right? Like done is better than perfect. Just lean into it. You know that I I held myself up for too long thinking, well, I've got to have this in place first. It's, you know, it's, it's like young people who are getting married and they're like, I can't have kids yet because we don't have this or that. It's the same thing. Like we humans, we do it to ourselves and business owners do that. Um, I think, I think as an owner, if you start looking at your employees as, you know, trying to help them get more of what they want out of life, um, if you take that attitude 
and and genuinely try to help. Not do it because you think that then you're going to get what you want. Just know that it's back there somewhere. But generally go about it. You're going to get more out of your people. You're going to you're going to root out the people that don't really fit. Um, and the ones who do fit will will do that much more to help uh, you and your customers. I think those are probably some of the main things that I keep in my mind these days. You asked me that in a year and it'll be a little bit different, Jim. You asked me four years ago, it was different, you know, but right now that's where I'm at is let me help customers and teammates get more of what they want, whatever that, then that can look like a lot of things from day to day. You know, sometimes you're out there with a customer who's upset about something and you realize the best way to get them more of what they want is to just take, you know, take the hit for the $500 chair that was already broken when you got there. But since you don't have it documented, right? Like, look, whatever here, let me buy you a new chair. (laughs) For sure, man. Matt, thanks for your time today. This has been another episode of the Roofing Success Podcast. If you would like to generate more revenue through your digital marketing efforts, please visit roofermarketers.com to get a copy of the book, The Best Known Roofer. Also, check the training section of the website for guides on everything from running effective pay-per-click ads to how to properly set up your Google My Business listing. Thanks for listening.